Hey, Joshua Segafis here. On this podcast, I teach men and women how to increase their attraction, level up their dating game, and embrace the alpha mentality. If you're sick of a dating or relationship life that sucks, stick around. This is exactly where you want to be. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Segafis here. Listen, I just opened up my new mastermind tribe, an exclusive community where alpha-minded men and women can get the individualized coaching and guidance they need to truly level up their dating game and embrace the alpha mentality. Find it at joshuasegafis.com forward slash mastermind tribe or check below. You should find a link in the comments. It's free for the first month. And if you believe in anything I say or talk about, this is the ultimate mastermind tribe for you. Go sign up. I'll see you there and we'll crush it together. Now let's get on to today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Joshua Segafis YouTube and podcast, YouTube and podcast show where we talk about how to increase your attraction, level up your dating game and embrace the alpha mentality. Today I have a guest. We have talked on podcasts before. I was a guest on her podcast, but this time she is going to do us the honors of being the guest here. I introduce Geneva Dickey, dating coach, matchmaker founder of je matchmaking yes thank you so much for having me joshua i'm excited to be on here all right so geneva if you would do me a favor just um maybe talk to our listeners tell them a little bit about yourself how you got into this and what you do yeah so i am a matchmaker dating coach up in the small city of halifax nova scotia i think nova scotia has been put on the map because of covid we've had pretty much zero cases the entire time we had the first lockdown and then very few cases ever since so we're just kind of living life as usual with precautions which is wild and uh i've been a matchmaker dating coach for two and a half years it started with events so a speed dating event and then i noticed that all the people that were hooking up at speed dating were walking out ill matched and it didn't last long so then i was like oh well how about i do matchmaking i can match people that way and then i realized i can match the perfect people together and they still are gonna mess it up so then i introduced coaching uh about nine months ago and that really shifted our success right here at J Matchmaking and just like launched it through the roof. So that's oh. a little bit about me. So you started with the, the dating events and then went into coaching. Yeah. Very nice. Very interesting. Matchmaking and then coaching. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So um, Geneva, I was listening to one of your podcasts recently and I heard you mention the compound dating technique, which is something that you have created yeah. and and I actually, you referenced it when you and I talked last time, but I didn't learn near as much about it as I, as I hoped to. And when I heard you mention it again, I was like, you know what? I have to have her on and ask her about that because from what it sounds like you're getting great results with it. Yeah, we really are. Well, actually I got results from it myself. So basically oh, gotcha. over the last two years, I've been devouring all the dating coach material, which I'm sure you have as well. It's our duty. And Absolutely. so- as I'm devouring it, I'm kind of putting my own twist on it, just like I put my own twist on this entire business. So I wanted to create something that was unique to Nova Scotia, unique to the people here, but also unique to today's culture. Because I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the dating coaching material, it talks about you know the mindset around dating, which is amazing, but it doesn't really fully apply to online dating. Mm -hmm. um, like they haven't really kind of gotten into the modern day dating culture. Yes. 
And so um, I kind of took all the little facets, all the mindset with all of the coaching that I've been learning, and I put it together into the compound dating technique. And I could go into details of what exactly it is, but I'm going to be writing a book here soon about it. So I'm not going to give all the details. Very but, good. Um, it's basically just an intensive amount of dating for three months. Mm -hmm. But it revolves around having an accountability partner, a dating coach, and there's a whole lot of mindset as to why we're doing this. There's a lot of um, morals and guidelines that we have while we're doing it because we are dating other human beings. So we have to be honest. We have to be respectful. We have to have um, a moral code as we're doing it. And so it's from start to finish, an intensive three month worth of dating. When I did it, I went on 33 high quality uh, first dates in three months this summer. And throughout that, I was actually able to meet my person. So it's proven. And then I had to do it myself. Otherwise, why would I teach anybody else to do it? So then I really started teaching people to do it over the last six months. And we have had amazing results, whether it's coupling or if it's just a huge mindset shift so that people now have the mindset and skills to go out and meet their person. Gotcha. Okay. So what, what's the mechanism you think that makes it successful? Well, I think you and I talked about it last time on my podcast, actually, and it's shifting from the scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people come into the dating life and the dating world, and we are thinking I'm unique for this reason. And this is why dating is hard for me. Mm -hmm. or this is my struggle so this is why dating is harder for me than everybody else but it's not uh yes there's different life situations that make it a little bit trickier for people but in the grand scheme of things there's lots of amazing people out there um for you you just have to get out there and meet them so really shifting it from thinking that there's nobody out there for you to giving you the skills and mindset to realize that, man, I could actually choose my partner. Now that I have these skills, I just have to go out and meet that. Gotcha. Okay. So mm -hmm. now what do you think is the number one mistake that people were making before you introduced them to your technique? Like, well, like what's the number one thing people were getting wrong? The number one thing, there's like a million things. Like yeah, <laughs> that's no pressure. <laughs> Not to make I it know. <laughs> And it's different every day. Like if you were to ask me that question every day, it literally depends on the person I'm talking to that day. But I had this amazing woman come in and she's, I've been coaching her for a while and she met her person. Um, she met them at, at a virtual speed dating event that I had just before Christmas. And it's really scary because we know what her attachment theory is which is anxiously attached, which means, I don't know if any of your followers have done attachment theory, but it means that you actually behave needy, you over text, you over idolize, you overthink, and you really kind of put too much attention on somebody. So she met this guy and she really likes him. And I'm trying to ask her that, you know, prior to her having the conversation of exclusivity with this man, please just continue to date other people because mm -hmm. you're so much attention on this man that you may scare him off. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest struggles prior to uh, learning the compound dating technique is the fact that we are putting far too much attention on somebody that hasn't 
uh, shown us that they have deserved that attention from us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, that's something that I hear people talk about so much is they'll they'll say things like, oh, it's just not, it's not my style to date more than one person. I just date one person. It's like, it is a scarcity. They put themselves into a scarcity situation and then it produces the scarcity mindset. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, um, so how have you found, how do you get people to break out of it? (laughs) What's your (laughs) trick? (laughs) So honestly, they have to choose to. So when they are choosing, so how I'm teaching the compound dating technique is purely in a wing woman boot camp setting, which means Mm -hmm. that these women, and currently I'm only teaching it to women. I haven't, I think I would have to tweak it a little bit for men because men may use it for evil, but who's to say? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, But we bring women into the um, in-person twice a week, getting together with other women. So we have Mm -hmm. eight people that come together twice a week. We're teaching the compound dating technique. So, and they're have an accountability partner, plus they have me as their dating coach. And then they come back after two weeks and we tell our stories of our dating throughout those two weeks. So we're being held accountable. You're watching other people do it and see success and see shift. Mm -hmm. So I think people were held to their own uh, self-motivation. It may not be as effective as in a setting like that. Um, but at first things first, they have to choose to come to one of those things. So everything's a choice. So to choose yeah. to do a compound dating technique and to choose to have an abundance mindset is coming into a setting like that alone. So choice is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you say you're, you're predominantly talking to men about, or to women about it right now. Right. So, so what do you think is the difference? See, I'm getting really into this right now and I'm so fascinated by by the different roles. And more specifically, I've been looking into like the alpha male role, like the natural alpha male role and the natural alpha female role and how they're so, so similar, but there are very interesting differences, right? So so in your, and, and it does, it's a foundational thing. So it matters along the whole the whole range of everything you're trying to do, whether it's dating, relating to other people, you know, even in your social life and when you're building your, your family, your tribe, your connections. So we relate to each other a little differently. So what, if you were going to formulate this more for men, what would be the one difference you would make? Or, or, or if one, like, what are the many differences you see? You know, it's interesting because I'm planning on developing it for men. By the way, I, I, I'm reading currently, I've been reading it over the last year and a half, but it's quite heavy. No, I've been reading it since I talked to you last. The Evolution of Desire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. By David Buss. Do you like it? I do like it, but I actually do it in small stints because it's a lot. Like it's it heavy. Yeah. And it doesn't give you much faith in the dating world. <laughs> well, you know, at first it's a little bit of a romance killer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that right? was, there was a big outcry when he first published that book. You know, it's on, it's had many editions now. Yeah. You know what one's even worse? Um, mm-hmm. The one he wrote, um, Why Women Have Sex. He wrote it with Cindy Meston, who's also brilliant. And um, here I have it right here. Oh, all my stuff's falling over. (laughs) I'm reading it. Um, Yeah. Why Women Have Sex. I just did a book review on this. And this book, why, you know, Evolution of Desire. I was like, this is intuitive. This is cool. But this book, I was depressed for two days (laughs) after reading (laughs) this book. But it was so good. Like, I thought I understood women. No way, buddy. I did not understand women. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah. So go ahead. 
getting back to your question. So I was, I was reading that book and it's just like, basically the book talks about, and you know this, but if your followers don't, it talks about just how different men or women are and what they're seeking in, you know, partnership or um, that kind of stuff. So we really do have to acknowledge the fact that it's called an opposite sex for a reason and we have to respect that. So if I were to, and I'm going to create a compound dating technique for men, because I believe wholeheartedly that empowering men in today's culture is going to make a huge shift and all the negativity that we see out there. And I think it really, really, really is going to start with men. So it's definitely something I wanna focus on. I think selecting the proper men is number one. Um, for the program, you mean, or telling women to select the right men? Select the right men to for the program to be um, a part of the compound dating technique. Because mm -hmm. I did actually choose several uh, coaching clients to teach the dating technique to, and these were gentlemen. And they're from all different backgrounds, all different types of men. And I found that some of them got so great with women that they no longer were looking for their future partner. They were just in like a, yeah, I was never good with women. And now I'm good with women. And now I'm just going to just sow my wild oats. So it's, there's a bit of yeah. an ethical quandary you feel maybe. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm That's trying awesome. to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a great selling point, but as a matchmaker, mm -hmm. I can't just create a bunch of playboys and set them loose, right? In Halifax, I'll and be like stamp your stamp of approval on it. Yeah, exactly. I'll be stoned. <laughs> I'll be stoned to death. So, yeah, yeah. Um, selecting the right men and having the right program and really kind of like going through, as you said, the moral quandary and just like the moral code of the whole thing, because powerful stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you say you went on thirty-three dates in three months. That's a lot of dates. That's more dates than most people go on in three years. I yeah. know it's exactly. Well, it's awesome though, because, you know, I'm sure that one of the, one of the first things I think of when you tell me that is that there's an element of like, just kind of getting practice interacting with other people in a dating setting, which is different than it's different than, you know, going to board game night with someone. It's a little different, you know, it is, do you talk about intention, like, you know, intentional dating and that sort of thing? I do talk about intentional dating, but at the very beginning, we are just kind of getting experience, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So as we get better and better at, because as you're out dating, I find that you almost get very scripted, you get experience. Mm -hmm. And so as you go on more dates, you become better at dating, which means that you can attract higher quality people. So around the three month mark, it's very intentional dating and the fact that you're selecting your people because you have those experiences to be able to know uh, by then, like three months in a very intense dating, by then you're going to know this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, this is how I know his intentions. And then this is the quality that I'm looking for. So around the three month mark, you are pulling a lot higher quality than you would be at the very beginning but like gotcha. you said it's only because of experience so how are your how are your clients getting like finding the dates is it mostly online or are you teaching them like cold approach or like like it's funny actually because yeah. at the very beginning of the five-week boot camp so there's i guess it's 10 weeks in total mm -hmm. they have to they get sent they get this chart and has a hundred boxes in it Mm -hmm. And they have to get a hundred men's names in that chart by the end of the program. Oh, nice. Nice. So we are teaching them online dating. They also partner up with like matchmaking. So I'll send them matchmaking. Um, I'll send them matchmaking matches. We do speed dating events. So they come to those as well, but mm -hmm. also it's approach. 
It's also just conversing with people around you. For example, you can grab the barista's name by just saying, hey, my name is Geneva, what's your name? He's like, hey, my name's John, it's like, nice to meet you. It's not a romantic interaction, but yeah. you are bridging that conversational gap with another human being. So that say, for example, there's a good looking gentleman sitting next to you at that same coffee shop. You can be like, hey, my name's Geneva, what's your name? And just start a conversation because you just practice with somebody platonic, so. I love that. That's awesome. It's very, that's actually a very functional real world, like measure getting a list of names because you have to at least engage with someone a little bit to get their name. Yeah. yeah. It's true. And it's not the biggest interaction either. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so when you're, when you're coaching women, here's something that I've been looking at recently. Um, Do you, do you, teach women how to, you know, go up, start conversations, engage, like, so those, those base level kind of like social, I guess, social skills is what you would call it, you know, um, do you get that foundational with it? Like, do you talk about those things? Um, it depends on the course. I don't think I really do it that much in this uh, boot camp because a lot of the women that are coming to us, they're actually quite high level women already. Like these are executives, mm-hmm. these are lawyers, doctors, um, high up in the government, that kind of stuff. So gotcha, gotcha. they're already pretty amazing women already with pretty amazing um, social skills. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're going actually the next one we're doing, it's starting January 28th and we're going to be going into the younger demographics. So twenties and thirties. So I can imagine that starting out conversations and how to kind of hold conversations, we're probably going to get a little bit more into that. But I don't teach women to approach in a romantic way. I teach them to um, bridge a conversational gap and then move away. And then say, for example, it's a gentleman that would be interested. He can then do the actual romantic approaching later. I do not teach women to approach in a romantic pickup kind of capacity. Gotcha. I like that, actually. I agree. I think I think that's a better approach. Um, okay, so so I'm trying to think of the best way to word this question. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> just, just a, a minute ago we were talking about we were talking about the difference. So so acknowledging you know acknowledging the different roles you know so, so acknowledging there's an opposite gender for a reason. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this when I was on your podcast, but this is one of my favorite topics. Um, so. I feel like in our culture, it can almost be a little scary to talk about gender differences, which is so strange to me because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that was so interesting to talk about. And now it's almost like taboo because you're going to assume someone's gender or you're going to try to, like, if you say, well, women are beautiful. It's like, well, aren't men beautiful? It's like, well, no, I didn't say that, you know, (laughs) but like Mm -hmm. these things. Okay. So that conversation, I'm sure that you have done a lot of thinking about that. What are these days? What is your modus operandi when it comes to navigating those things? I think that's going to be our struggle for a long time, Joshua, because I don't even know yet because I've moved into the LGBTQ uh, branch with matchmaking and I want to be so respectful of that community and hold no offense to it. But at the same time, I want to be able to teach on that as well. Mm -hmm. So gosh, that's a really hard question. It's going to be a struggle that we have to have because we, yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, you know, my approach has been because I've been getting into some things that are like, I feel like in order to understand so like the alpha mentality, in order to understand 
like if you're a man, what women are looking for, or if you're a woman, what men are looking for, then you have to address it's like humans are more alike than they are different, but it is in that small bit of difference where we find the, the, the great chasm of human mating behavior and, and all the mysteries. And so, so talking about that, I think is pretty important foundationally. And my approach lately has just been to say like what it is. And then if I feel like a little clarification, I, I try to give it, you know, because it's like, I try to say, because I'll talk a lot about how men val or women value men who are effective, right? So that's one of the baseline principles is, and that's one of the things that drives attraction is the attraction signals are based on men's effectiveness in a survival type mentality, right? Now, with that being said, you know, so it's like, in a way you're kind of saying, men, you have to be effective. Women, you have to be beautiful. But it's like, but <laughs> that's not to say women are not effective and that men are not beautiful. We're just talking about a very generalized like concept, you know? So I have just gotten to the point where I just kind of say it and, <laughs> and then- And see it, the reaction of the audience and then go according. <laughs> yeah, well, or if someone asks a question then say, oh, for sure. Like, it doesn't mean you can't be this or can't be this, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> like having a no fear approach to it, I think. Um, yeah, and some conversations that I've been having lately, I actually had this with my guest on my podcast uh, last week. I kind of like to talk about it in feminine and masculine energy too. Yes, yeah. That's because I know myself. Yeah, and it's like men and women, yes, but then when you get into the gender norms and all this. But for example, I'm very feminine, as you can all tell. I wear a lot of makeup, big hair, pretty, you know, floral feminine clothing. But in order to be a badass businesswoman, I have to live in my masculine on a daily basis to call, mm -hmm. you know, men clients and put them in their place and have them actually listen. You have to live very masculine. But I know that when it comes to romance and dating and going into a partnership with a man, which is what my preference is, I need to be able to revert myself back into my feminine energy in order to have that yin yang with my partner. Mm -hmm. It's hard sometimes to turn that off because you are so masculine throughout the day that you literally have to like split the switch in your head. Um, but it's that feminine and masculine energy and that dynamic where I'm a receiver and he's a giver or he's a, what do you call it? What did you say? The effective. Male? effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's where that comes from is like the feminine and masculine energy for me. But it's different for every coach and different for everybody. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... So another thing I was going to ask you is you're, you're kind of coaching, you're, you're coaching some more affluent women, like successful women, women who are successful in business, right? So now there's this, there's this idea that the more intelligent a woman is, the less likely she is to get married in her life because men tend to, to tend to mate across and down and women across and up dominance hierarchies. Um, do you feel like women feel that challenge? So in a way, it's almost like there are not enough men who can handle an intelligent, successful women. I mean, that's one way to phrase the, the problem. <laughs> I mean, the, I, I think that's probably the most accurate way to phrase the problem because the problem isn't being intelligent and successful. The problem is finding a partner who is mature enough and you know, successful enough and wise enough and secure enough to not be threatened by an intelligent woman, you know? And so, the, and I think that's the, the whole conversation is men are threatened by intelligent women. It's like, well, not really, not very intelligent men. <laughs> it's, it's men who are threatened because they have low self-esteem or, you know, they, they have a, some kind of lack of validation. Do you find, yeah. do you find that this is a thing? And if so, how do you deal with it? 
I absolutely do. And it's interesting that you say, and I love that you're coming from the male perspective here, because I'm going to come from the female perspective. Mm -hmm. So you said that the male perspective that isn't able to handle a strong woman is due to a lack of self-esteem. I say that, and I might get fricasseed for this, but I say (laughs) that the women that come into the dating world with, I am an independent woman. I don't need no man. I don't need any of this. And they're, I, I call them just the over, over independent woman that comes from insecurity as well. That comes from them having to fight for everything that they've had in their entire life, that Mm -hmm. they have to scream from the mountaintops to how independent they are. Otherwise, nobody will take them seriously because they had to fight so much for it. And so when they come into the dating space with this, they're screaming it and it's scaring people away. But there's like the people that are um, like they need somebody. So they're dependent on somebody. That's like the bottom rung. And then there's the super independent, which is one up. And then there's the interdependent. So the really true self-confident independent woman knows that she doesn't technically need a man, knows that she can do everything herself, but she chooses to partner up with somebody. She chooses to allow that man into her life and to add value to her life. And she chooses to not have to take on the world alone. And that is the most beautiful self-confident, independent woman alone is to understand that she does want a man and she wants to allow him to give that for her. Gotcha. See, that's interesting that you say, you know, so the women who come in and they're gung-ho, like, I don't need a man. Maybe it is a sign of of self-esteem. That's, that's very true. Um, And which is why I always talk to men about, you need to increase your self-esteem you have to validate yourself because the world is full of people who do have low self-esteem and the way they present themselves isn't always the way they are this is why it's important to maintain masculine frame and to just be yourself and be genuine and then let other people be themselves and and if you once you get a little good at it you can kind of see well this person might be overcompensating a little let's just talk a little bit or whatever it's like let's not freak out (laughs) you know about it and get feelings involved Okay. Very, that's very insightful actually. And I only know this because that was me five years ago. So it's not like I'm like, you ladies are independent, blah, blah, blah. It's because that was literally who I was like Mm -hmm. what three years ago. And I had to become a recovering independent woman. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so when you talk to men about your compound compound dating technique, um, do they ever raise any like you know, at first, are they like, no way, this isn't going to work? Like, are they pretty doubtful? Or are they pretty optimistic? Usually? They're pretty optimistic. I mean, when you're saying to a man, you can go on a ton of dates, they're pretty excited. Um, There is one rule with the compound dating technique that I never actually mentioned as part of the moral code is that um, we do not, we can continue to date multiple people as long as we want, so long as we're not sleeping with any of them, and we haven't decided or had a conversation about exclusivity. So the minute you become physical with somebody, or the minute you um, have a conversation about being exclusive to one another, you stop dating, you commit to that person, and you continue on into a relationship. Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. Yes. And so for men, when, you know, their main, you know, as somebody, a man who's dating, your main goal is to really kind of move it into the physical realm. Like that's the very masculine role that sex sex first feelings later. Exactly. And so there's a disconnect there that I have to figure out at some point. So yeah, when guys, when I'm telling guys about compound dating, they're excited. So (laughs) till they hear the rules, then they're like, exactly. (laughs) And then they're like, "Hmm, maybe this isn't for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a really fascinating question is how long to wait until, you know, you have sex for the first time with someone. Right. And, and so that's really interesting. Have you heard Steve, uh, Steve Harvey, who I actually kind of like, you know, he's not like a, you know, he does a lot of dating. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but he does dating advice stuff. But his, his big thing is that women should wait 30 days. Like, you know, they should, they should he be says 90 days, doesn't he? Oh, oh, is it 90? I thought it was 30. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. It might be 90 days. Well, even same, same difference, you know? So, <laughs> so it's like 90 days. And so, and I've, I've gone round and round with myself in mm-hmm. trying to understand what the best approach is for women. Cause it's like, well, okay, what should you do? And, and, and I'll tell you what I've come up with. And then you can tell yeah, me if you do. agree or disagree. And then I want to hear what you think about it. Okay. I, I don't think that waiting us like setting a specific time frame on it is helpful for women now men and women is a little different but i'm talking about women it's not it's not specifically helpful for women and this is the reason why is because a high value man who actually wants her um you know he he may or may not he may or may not be interested in waiting and if he's not doesn't really help anything to wait um if he is it doesn't really matter but you don't know but a low value man will also stick around for a long time and jump through a lot of hoops to finally get the sex. Right. So it's like waiting for 90 days. He thinks to himself, Oh, I can, I can do that. I can jump through hoops for 90 days, especially if he's like low enough value and desperate enough that you were his, like his only option. So it doesn't really give you much to work on other than if you, you know, observe his behavior during the time and you see other red flags. So in that sense, it's better than, than not waiting is better than not because it gives you time to vet partners. But so my answer to it is women must become very adept at vetting partners. Like they need to become adept in noticing red flags and identifying whether or not a man may be the right option for them. And then they need to get really good at like giving themselves the time it takes to convince themselves and that, that what they're seeing is, is real, you know, in other words, kind of like making sure, like, like make sure that you're not going to jump into a bad decision, basically, you know, and, and then teaching them how to do it. So, so giving it a length of time, I don't feel like is the right approach necessarily. Okay. What do you think about it? My gosh, you actually gave me a lot of food, food for thought. That's a really good point. When you said like the high value and the low value and the different type of weighting, um whoa so what i normally say Mm -hmm. and again it's not a certain amount of time because if you give women too many rules they become too it becomes too you know what i mean i can't think of the word but it becomes so regimented that it's no longer fun to date anymore it's like this is my schedule and if you don't fit in it you know go away but dating so emotional and working with people's emotions and figuring it out. So I love that you say that we have to be really good at vetting. And that's so true. And having the time to figure that out is huge because I know that when I was dating, I was going on nine, 10, 12 dates with people and still not intimate because I was figuring it out. I was seeing how interested they were. There was maybe a couple red flags and I was kind of testing that out and having the conversations. So yeah, yeah. My rule is usually you don't become intimate with somebody until you can have the conversation of exclusivity or being intimate. So if you're not comfortable enough with somebody to even talk about sex, why are we having sex with them? Or 
you're not comfortable enough with that person or haven't been with them long enough to talk about, hey, if I'm going to sleep with you, I need to know that you're also not sleeping with anybody else for several reasons. Women become emotionally attached. They release oxytocin when they're with a man. So they become chemically attached to the man. Is that man willing to become aware and um, fit the emotional needs of a woman that becomes chemically attached to him for a week after they sleep together? Mm -hmm. Is he able to maintain that emotional space for her? Um, so that could be honestly three weeks. I mean, some people meet mm -hmm. and there's this connection and it turns into a whirlwind romance. They both want a relationship. That's why they're here. That conversation could be happening in three weeks mm -hmm. and you guys are boyfriend and girlfriend and you're having all kinds of sex and you're enjoying the process. It could be three months in the fact that you guys are only seeing each other once a week and you're kind of talking about the stuff, you're sussing it out, you're kind of like, and you're having the conversation of being exclusive and uh, it could be three months, it could be five months if you guys are two um, single parents and you just don't spend much time together, it could be five months. I don't know, just kind of depends really on the yeah. conversation and comfort level with that person. Yeah, and being able to talk about it and have a conversation about it is important too, you know, and and fun to have it, sex when you can like talk about the sex, right? So yeah. <laughs> and 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 to see if he can talk about it in a mature way—that's another thing, you know. Getting him to get him to talk about all that stuff because that'll tell you a lot about a guy, you know. Because I know that I said I did want to wait, and what the gentleman said to me once—this was previously—he's like, "Well, I need to know if we're physically compatible, otherwise, it's not worth my time." And I'm just like, "Well, um, that that was yeah. not the best." Men are afraid to risk time investment. Yeah, 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 which makes sense. But I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to just—you're not just going to test me out just to see." So yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he yeah. was kicked to the curb, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. But he ended yeah. up working out though. He was the he was the no. keeper. Oh, he wasn't no. the keeper. Oh, never mind. No. Okay. Yeah, he was okay. kicked to the curb super quick. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, um, okay, so you know, when you say that, if a man were to say, Well, how do I respond to that? I would mm -hmm. say, Well, if if she if, if she seems like the kind of person you want to be with and you think it's worth it, well then, you know, it's worth it. If not, then, then walk away. You know, that tells you right there, you know, are you willing to, are you willing to kind of respect her process? And of course it'll be like, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a, what do you call it? Like a, a compromise, probably a little bit of, of you and her as you, you sort of navigate those things. So, you know, um, there's a, there's a saying among um, some men in like the red pill community, they'll say never negotiate desire. And so, so they call it a red flag when a woman tries to say no sex for three dates or whatever, you know, um, I don't really agree. Uh, I don't really agree because I think that it's important for men to understand that women are dealing with a lot of different dangers and fears. It's much more dangerous for a woman to get to engage in sex than a man. Yeah. And so for that reason alone, well, that's a pretty big reason. <laughs> so for that reason alone, it's like, you have to be you have to be willing to hear a person out and then say, well, okay, am I interested? Um, you know, do I want to continue getting to know this person? If it's not worth another conversation, then there you go. There's your answer. If it is, well, there you go. That's a reason to have another conversation. Oh, that's such a great example of the power dynamics of the opposite sex too. Do you think that a super woke guy and a super woke woman would ever be able to work? 
I do. It's absolutely. Do you? <laughs> well, like, it if depends like a red what... pill guy and one of my girls oh, came together. Okay. Oh my God. I don't think so. That's a question of whether I would consider red pill men woke or not, which, okay. Oh. So, so they're woke in a literal sense. I don't like, I've learned a lot from some men in the red pill community. However, I keep a foot out of that community because, because I feel like it's driven by an underlying, it's driven by an underlying frame of, uh, it's driven by an underlying frame of reacting to feminism and feminist ideology, which I don't think in itself is masculine. I think that reacting to it is not proper masculine frame. I would, my attitude is if you all want to be feminists, go ahead, like more power to you. If I'm interested in one of you, I'll engage with you. And if it's not worth it, I'll walk away, I guess, you know, it's, it's like, you know, so I think that they make too big of a deal about it. They get real worked up about some things um, that I don't think are worth getting worked up. So to answer the question, do I think a super woke guy and a super woke girl, um, do I think a red pill guy and a feminist could have a good relationship? No. <laughs> um, I actually had no idea what a red pill guy was. That must be an American thing. I haven't heard of that before. Oh, maybe I'm assuming it it's like the red pill from the matrix. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The red pill movement is basically it's well, the pickup culture of the, of the seventies and eighties, you know, like with mystery and Neil Strauss and all those guys. So they started the underground, like the pickup community. And then the pickup community kind of diverged into a few different directions and the red pill, they kind of went like, like there's like there's pickup and now there's like red pill. And then there's like black pill, um, black pill guys are the, are the ones who've kind of said, you know what, unless men are incredibly good looking or rich, they will not win with women. So it's not worth trying. There are the red pillars who kind of say, women are a certain way, men are a certain way, we have to behave in the way that best benefits us and not allow ourselves to be moved from that, you know, and, and so uh, then there's the pickup guys who just want to get late, you know, <laughs> they just want to get late. <laughs> See, I spent a lot of time in pickup artistry when I first started dating coaching, and because I really wanted to work with men, so I kind of wanted to understand all facets. I think, honestly, there's greatness in all of, like part there's a little bit of greatness in all those communities if you can take it do you know what i mean yeah, yeah for sure like the psychology of pickup is just amazing because they're really truly understanding women's psychology and why women desire men and all this stuff again there's men out there that use it for evil but all in all yeah yeah um the book have you read um kezia noble's book noble guide to seducing women no <laughs> she's so good this book is still my number one recommended book for men because because she you know, she's a, she's a woman and she got involved in the pickup community kind of by accident as a side job. She started out as a girl who was like a decoy, like for men to hit on for practice. Yeah. And then she started giving really good feedback and she started learning about it. And now she's like, like a really big time dating coach, but she's, she's a woman who, who, who uh, teaches pickup. So a lot of women hate her a lot, you know, but she's so, oh. she's so interesting, but I think she's so brilliant. Like I love reading her stuff. Um, but anyway, so yeah, a super woke guy and a super woke girl. Here's what I think. I think if they're woke in the sense of like science, then absolutely. I think it's so refreshing when a woman has like a knowledge of science, she understands like herself and her body and the processes and understands the man's too. And then they can navigate it with some empathy and kindness. And then also a sense of adventure. Like that is obviously the best possible combination to me, I think. That is such a good response to that. And it's so interesting because like when you kind of monitor relationships prior to getting woke or whatever, 
like my relationships prior to that, they were just so tumultuous. And it was just based on lack of understanding of one another and us trying to, you know, meet in the middle, but just not being able to communicate and get there. And now it's just, they've been very different. They've been very much based on respect and kindness. And just like, when you truly understand the opposite sex and why they do what they do, um, and hopefully they do the same for you, it's such a beautiful space to be in, in a relationship. It is. Yeah. And, and mm. the more knowledgeable you get, the more you don't put up with nonsense, you know, which is a really yeah. important thing. <laughs> you, you learn really quick not to put up with it, which is a great thing. That's a good thing. And by not putting up with it, a lot of people are like, I don't put up with any BS. And they're like, and they're telling people off, not putting up with it. It's just literally walking away and not thinking about it. That's true. Yeah. I don't even engage. We're having conversations. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So I have, I have two more questions for you. One oh. of them is, where is dating going? You know, it's 2021. Um, it's been wild. 2020 was really wild. Um, you know, humans are evolving. Things are changing. Society's changing. What is it going to look like five, 10, 20 years from now? Yeah. Go. What's your theory? I think we're going to go right back to um, old school dating. So with all of this online dating, it's becoming so impersonal. It's becoming so um, a space of just unkind people hurting people. And so I think people, just like customer service, where we're going to all these self-checkouts, people are just so desperate for a little bit of customer service that if there's a store that's offering amazing customer service, they get all the business because people are so thirsty for it. And so I feel it's going to be the same with dating is that we're all in this online dating space. We're all hating it. Everybody's like, oh. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah, and they're yeah. all like, oh, online dating. How can you compete with online dating? I'm like, literally, guys, online dating is throwing clients at me. So, mm. um, yeah, and we're just I think it's just going to go back to matchmaking, dating, coaching, one on one meeting in person events mixers community events things like that especially coming out of this lockdown it's gonna mm -hmm. be like the roaring 20s again after world war one right so do you i lied i have three i have another question that prompted another question um oh. <laughs> do you believe that the idea that dating is a skill mm. is ever going to go mainstream mm. like will people pick up on it to the same sense that you know they they learn that you know eighth grade math is an essential skill or learning to navigate a, a computer program is a skill. Like, do you think people will ever intuitively think, oh, I'd better learn how to date? Like it's, a, it's an important thing. I don't think so. It's kind of like um, business mindset. Like if everybody understood business mindset and the success mindset, then everybody was successful, which means nobody would be successful. So I feel like it's the same with dating and same with personal growth. Like if everybody was working on personal growth, we'd just be all these perfect people walking around and society would be amazing, but that's not mm -hmm. human nature. So I feel that when it comes to dating, I don't think it's ever going to be common knowledge. And I think it's going to be people making a choice to make a difference in their love dating life. I thought it was more mainstream back in the day because we had churches and communities and parents um, teaching these young people how to have proper marriages and how to respect one another. So I thought, I think it's almost more mainstream back then than it is now. And who's to say if that's yeah. going to happen in the future, but I don't think so. What do you think? Also, there was also a closer sense of community back then, you know, so which was helpful. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I don't really think it's going to become mainstream. I think, I think that it is going to come to a place though, where awareness is going to be such that people I, I hope that people will understand that it is even a skill and that they're not 
they're not repulsed by that idea because I think a lot of people think what you're calling dating a skill that's manipulation that's tricks that's pickup you know that's taking advantage of people which is obviously not true I mean you can take advantage of people doing all kinds of things but the idea that you think of dating as a skill and attraction as a skill is is not inherently manipulative it's inherently understanding basic human processes and functionality and and it's really about how to work together better you know, mm-hmm. men who understand women better will have better relationships and women who understand men better will have better. And, and men who understand themselves better, <laughs> which they don't yes. even understand why they do what they do. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I wish, I wish, but then I guess we'd be out of business because everybody would know. So this is true that, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I don't think that'll happen in our lifetime. I don't think. No, not in my lifetime. Okay. So, so final question to, to the to the men and women listening to this, I would love to hear just based on, it doesn't have to be like the one ultimate piece of advice, but you know, your daily bit of advice for the men and the women individually, mm-hmm. what bit of advice would you give them today to make their dating life better? Oh gosh. You know what? I'm not going to individualize it because I think it's truly blanketed advice for both men and women um, to live a life of purpose while you're out dating. So if you're living a purpose-filled life, which has nothing to do with your dating life, if you wake every, up every morning and you have a reason to get out of bed and you have a reason to, um, you know, live an awesome life, dating and successful dating will very much be a byproduct of what that will give you in happiness. And so purpose-driven life looks different for everybody. It could be being an amazing father to your kids. It could be working on your fitness. It could be building a business. It could be um, just becoming the best version of yourself possible through self-help or what have you. Volunteering, you could be an amazing baker. And so you're starting a live stream of your baking and it's just something that gets you up and motivated. When you are living your life uh, of purpose and it doesn't have to be one purpose for your whole life. I think that's one thing that's miscommunicated as well is that we have to figure out what our one purpose is and then live it for the rest of our life. Your purpose can shift by months, weeks, days, but as long as you're waking up and you're living a purpose, those that are coming in and out of your life based on your interests, they're going to be the most attracted to you because you're being authentic to yourself. They're going to have similar interests to you because those are the people you're meeting while you're living this purpose. And so amazing dating is just going to be a byproduct of that. And then you can add value to those lives around you because of it. So not conventional dating advice, that's for sure. But I think it's the foundation of success in all of our lives. Boom. That's the alpha mentality right there is what that is. Is that what that is? It is exactly. Like exactly. Shabam. All right. Yeah. Well, there we have it. Geneva Dickey and JE Matchmaking. I'm going to drop a link. Um, Basically anything that that Geneva, is there anything you'd like to talk about that that I'm going to link in the comments? Anything you want to? send people to um gosh i'm just kind of like on everything so instagram Mm -hmm. facebook tiktok is my favorite we are doing a daily uh january dating tip on tiktok and it's all at je matchmaking so instagram facebook tiktok my podcast is the book of love so you just search that in spotify and you go check it out um other than that not really i mean just everybody go out there be kind to one another and just live an awesome life 
Very good. Very good. And follow me, I suppose. Absolutely. I'll drop that JE matchmaking link in the comments. So everyone go check that out. Um, Geneva, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for bringing value and doing what you do and helping men and women to level up their attraction and improve their dating lives. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit www.joshuasegathis.com. Catch you on the flip side.